uh, remix drop. What up, what up, Medicine Remix, it's your boy A Truck Gordon, UFC Ultimate Fighter Tim. Yeah, let me tell you something, your station is bananas, fine to, to try to be like you, man. Keep doing what you do, I love it, much love. It's good, Medicine Remix. <laughs> a great station because you guys just cover the full gamut of the human persona, the human plight. You guys send out prescriptions of life. What I love about you guys, though, Medicine Remix, is the fact that you guys will take a hip-hop quote, put it into a prescription formula because people need to know how to live. Artwork in the form of rap, hip-hop, sort of like now we're fighting. And I'm telling you, these could be your side effects. If you don't check yourself, it's true. You will recognize <laughs> Recently, over the past few days, gotten very into Medicine Remix. Very quickly rising to... Kind of late to the game there. I know. I, I don't know what it was, but I'm super into it. It's one of those things that as soon as I put it on, I can't not listen to the whole thing. Yeah. So, big fan. Huge fan of Medicine Remix. I think what you're doing over there is fantastic. Oh, thank you. I just love the whole thing. Between the hip-hop, which you know I'm a fan of, but the fact that it's mixed with motivation, with comedy, with medicine, and the whole thing just feels like art. You guys are doing amazingly, and you do some of the best stuff out there. No, you know what? The best stuff out there, frankly. There's no one else really doing what you guys are doing in general on the internet. That's the remix, fam. Remix. Next big thing, get on it now. Appreciate that, brother. Hey guys, I just wanted to let you know I'm hanging out with someone from Apple and they said that they listened to your station and loved it. Just wanted to give you that feedback. I must say, I am quite fond of your station medicine remix. Darling listeners out there would be wise to tune in. Take that information, make the most of today. Thank you for listening. You're listening to Medicine Remix. Bye. Support for today's Medicine Remix show comes from Zipitor Anti-Talk Listening Tablets. For those who not only need to listen, but more importantly, for those who need to listen with a willingness to let others change their minds. Imagine that. Zipitor is now available in liquid, designed for those who just can't seem to swallow their pride. Zipitor. Just shut the fuck up and listen. Side effects of Zipitor may include verbal constipation, not jumping to conclusions, and severe empathy. Ask your doctor or your significant other if Zipitor is right for you. Now, back to listening at its best. Medicine Remixed. Only on Anchor. What it do, Medicine Remix crew? It's your boy, Reesh. I'm in New York City right now. It is raining. It is pouring. It is snowing. It is hailing. It is literally all of the elements all at once. Kind of like Medicine Remix. The elements of health the elements of hip-hop but of course this weather is nowhere near as fun but speaking of fun i've really really been looking forward to this weekend my baby sister is in town not such a baby anymore she's turning 30 and we're doing uh, a little celebration in the city weather permitting or not it's going down and um yeah really looking forward to seeing her especially because you know i don't see her as much as i used to she lives across the country now she's doing a lot of reminiscing going through uh photo albums and video footage and whatnot we we're making her a little scrapbook and a little video montage to commemorate her 30 amazing years on this planet and i was reminded of the very last official podcast that i recorded with 
D back when we were fucking with RSS feeds and shit back in like 2012, I believe. The very last episode of a 12 episode podcast called Laughs by Prescription, we had my sister on on the very last episode. So it was about like six, seven years ago. And in listening to it again, I had so many thoughts, so many ideas. Because not only was it a phenomenal episode, which we're going to get into, I'm going to be rebooting that for y'all coming up next. But it also made me think that this should totally be a recurring series or segment that we do on Medicine Remixed. And the premise being lawyers and doctors. The episode is called Flaw and Disorders. And I think we're going to make that a regular thing. So uh, let us know what you think. Call in. Let us know your thoughts as always. We love y'all. Hope you enjoy this blast from the timeless past, I will say, because there's still so many timeless gems in this episode. Favorite the station if you haven't already. That is if you're listening on Anchor in podcastville please tell your friends about us if you're digging what you're hearing write us a review other than give us your attention that's literally the only other thing that we could ever ask for from you is to give us some feedback you know positive or negative preferably positive have a great weekend i'll catch you on the flip peace We have a very, 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 very special guest. Not that special. On the Pretty podcast. Um, my baby sister, a new attorney. Wow. Yeah. Technically, shouldn't one of us like turn into a bat or something if doctors see lawyers <laughs> sit at the same table? Isn't something supposed to happen? One yeah. Of us supposed to melt? Technically. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's like a visceral, <laughs> yeah. neutral disgust. So they're supposed to be, right? Isn't yeah. that kind of like what you're sold? Yeah. It's kind of like cats should hate dogs. So whenever people have a cat and a dog and they, there's a picture of them, people, oh, so cute. They get, it's like in the cartoons, they hated each other. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's necessarily true. Yeah. Cats really do hate dogs, right. but that's what Disney taught me. Right. Unfortunately, I, I don't know if it's specific to doctors or just yeah. everyone who isn't a lawyer hates ah, lawyers that's a, it's that's easy right. target culturally is it the same for you guys where there's this like don't go see the doctor because they're gonna find something wrong with you because uh, in spanish culture yeah. that's it man like okay. you don't go to the doctor because you're just gonna tell you something's wrong what are you gonna go see the doctor for right there's i think a sentiment of that at least us growing up i don't think we really went to the doctor unless we were like really sick yeah you know? i think it's more pronounced in cultures where home remedies are a big thing because mm-hmm. that's the first trial you don't go see the doctor right away yeah you know. That's interesting because in the Indian culture, home remedies are big, but so are doctors because you ah, pretty much have like yeah. three in every family. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. yeah. yeah that's, huh, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I think more so like the villages in India where access to a doctor isn't what we think of access to a doctor. And a lot of what your treatments are based on are just passed down from right. generation to generation. Of, you know, sure. This is what you do when you have a cold. This is what you do. Yeah, we, we were talking about this a couple days ago, like the, the idea of how cool it is and especially and you guys like culturally and, and ethnically or whatever the, the most non-offensive way to phrase <laughs> it is right. yeah um <laughs> is how the cultures who have like a preserved sort of history where they were able to document it with like sure. writing or whatever yeah. it might be or drawing whatever whatever the medium might be but cultures that were able to preserve that history they tend to be the ones who have all the ancient remedies you know right and how much of that stuff they just fucking learn by trial and error i love when science catches up and that's <laughs> the wrong way to say it but catches up with antiquity once there's like actual scientific studies 
actually right. like, carried out. You know, you and have all kind these of numbers it? and fancy words, right. you know, saying the statistics show yeah. this. Can you say, okay, yes, that is actually true. Right, that's the one that's, home remedy or that's the one ancient wise tale that we'll, we'll yeah. support. This kind of actually reminds me of a conversation I had um, last week with two of my doctor friends. One's a DO, one's a naturopathic doctor, and one was an MD, and basically how a synergy, right, a synergy between all types really make the best, mm -hmm. most comprehensive sure. kind of treatment Ab plan, absolutely. you know? But you think it's ego that doesn't allow that to happen? From the side of Western medicine? Yeah, yeah you know, because they have like these fancy numbers and all these like fancy research studies to back up a lot of... Numbers, <laughs> charts, and graphs. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, you and it's hard. Forward. Yeah, and especially with evidence-based medicine, it's hard to make an argument. Like my grandma's been using this right. for years, and her grandma and her grandma, and it's just like you know, fail-proof. It's yeah. like, well, where is the evidence? That's right. true. So I think the problem with that is the same asshole who wants to smoke and then says, "Well, you know what? My grandfather smoked till he was a hundred, mm -hmm. so obviously smoking's not bad for you. Mm -hmm. Maybe Grandpa did smoke till he was a hundred, but listen, stupid. <laughs> the numbers show the vast." majority of people are going to yeah. have complications from smoking. I mean, there's so many variables. Yeah, so. and maybe your grandfather, yeah, okay, maybe he did. Maybe mm -hmm. he made it to 100 while he smoked. Mm -hmm. But that idea of evidence-based medicine driving mm -hmm. Western medicine is kind of a trip because I've always felt like somebody needs to fuse Eastern medicine with Western diagnostic skills. Mm -hmm. So like using our hours, like I own it, <laughs> fucking the amount of money we have for you know CT scans and MRIs and all this shit for diagnosing stuff right. is great. It's awesome. It's a great tool to have. Mm -hmm. But the treatments, mm -hmm. I feel like somebody needs to weave in some of the old school, you know. Yeah, man, because you know, just like we're saying, you know, all facets of those like different approaches to medicine is really like the complete approach to a right. patient and like in medical school we're taught that every disease process has a biological component has a psychological component has a social component right. but that's our med school <laughs> no, you gotta but, remember that's yeah, not all med school no but th that one of the reasons why that medical school was popular sure, for that yeah, yeah. more and more systems were realizing that yeah this is totally yeah. true there's totally a psychological basis how to sad disease. is that, that that's not the norm that, that was actually off the beaten path for our med school to say Right. I mean, that was like revolutionary. Yeah. This was like in the 80s. Psychological yeah. component. Yeah. What? Yeah. Feelings about yeah. this shit? Right. Like, Shocking. What is that about? Right. Yeah. But, that changed uh, the game. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, a lot of things wrong with our healthcare system yeah. and how cumbersome and complicated it is and right. those simple fundamentals get lost in the shuffle. So we're talking about this idea of evidence-based medicine. So we had a lecture in medical school where the professor was like only around 15 to maybe 20 20% of what we do in the hospital is evidence-based. Yeah. That means there's a lot of stuff that's left up to trial and error or the art of medicine rather than the science of right. medicine. Before like, you go any further, yeah. for people who don't get the idea of what evidence-based medicine is, how would you describe it? To so it's based on research, to mm -hmm. put it simply, that studies are actually carried out based on the scientific method and its foundation to come up with conclusion that's based on research, based right. on subjects and Not variables. just experience. Right, right. Not okay. just saying right. that, oh, this happened one time, this and is why And it's one doctor it. saying, I, yeah. this is what I do. So that's what we call anecdotal evidence, right. you know, based on like a personal experience, which there's still a place for that.
So I think there's a big misconception between, you know, how much doctors get sued. But I think there is a lot to be said about the fact that because there is that perception that exists in the medical community of like, oh, we have to order all these expensive tests because I want to like cover my ass so I don't get sued. There's a lot of that. I see that in the hospital all the time, especially like surgical fields, which are very, correct mm -hmm. me if I'm wrong, the highest liability as far yeah. as, you know, Why things not? that can go wrong. Talk a little bit about that from your experience both in the legal field and like the public health world sure so um, this topic first came to my attention in an academic setting um, in a public health class I took where half of the students were medical students and half of the students were law students and uh, the topic came up and of course there was just like visceral fighting on both ends um, you know the quintessential story about the starving OBGYN and of course all the lawyers are like there's starving doctors out there and it really just like surfaced all of these anxieties on both sides but to me it's really surfaced just a lack of communication and understanding right. on both sides right. um, and actually a really interesting book that was introduced to me during that class was an eminent scholar by the name of Tom Baker he's also a law professor at UPenn wrote a book called Medical Malpractice Myths from 2005 and basically he was really really instrumental and influential in the insurance field for a while but had always the research interest in uh, medical malpractice and just basically surfaced all of these studies the research funding was to really make a point politically that tort reform had to be a huge issue so what, what does that mean for people that don't know what tort reform is sure so tort legally translates into a wrong but medical malpractice falls under the umbrella of tort so when a doctor commits negligence or is negligent it is considered a Tort. So, so I, when a doctor fucks up and yeah. he's in the wrong. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Or a case can be brought against the doctor mm. that he committed a wrong. Right. So does it matter? Listen, mistakes happen all the time. Right. But does it matter if the mistake is common enough? Because at some point somebody's going to have to interpret how big of a mistake was this. Right. Did you just right. fuck up because this is, this is what happens. This yeah. is the risk of the procedure. Right. Versus right. this you, is not a risk of yeah. this procedure, but you fucked up. Or you missed something right. that was obvious. Right. Like either from a test that you ordered or right. something that should have been obvious to you based on your training. But there's so many variables to that, right? Yeah. I think like one of the things is the state of mind of the doctor, for example. Like if right. this was like on like hour 30 of a shift, then I know mm. there's like a lot of things trying to be done legally to change that mm. cultural aspect of medicine, which is like overworked right. providers. Yeah. They've done studies showing that when you're sleep deprived, when you drive, your performance is worse than if you were and you're a worse performer as a sleep-deprived individual than as a drunk individual. That's scary, man. In terms of reaction time, cognitive ability, yeah. you know, your spatial relations. For yeah. so many reasons. But what about your dancing skills? Because <laughs> like, when I'm drunk, I can dance out here. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if it translates. If I'm really sleepy, I, just, I can get down. Is that what I'm... This is a cheaper way to have a good time, man. Just fucking don't sleep. Uh, no pregame, just fucking don't sleep. Don't sleep, man. But, but, but the, you're talking about being negligent and right. making mistakes right it's obviously not as black and white as it never is right, right? especially in the legal field there's so, no such thing as black and white so this guy's uh research found in terms of negligence i guess my question is who and what goes into the process of deciding how negligent because it sounds like this is a sliding scale like this is you're kind of yeah. negligent you're a little you know it's not 
sometimes if you fucked up, there's a, you kind of fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. You know? and every case is different. Right. Yeah, it's the million dollar question. And um, I mean, to put it very generally and broadly, every doctor is kind of judged based on his or her profession, right? The specialty. Mm. And then the standard that you're talking about is the quote unquote reasonable person standard. As crazy as that mm. sounds, right? Mm. And then the added element would be that the reasonable person in this doctor's case would be the reasonable person with that doctor's experience, okay. skill set, so like knowledge. Yeah, here. exactly. Like so that's why doctor. in a lot of these med mal yeah. cases, you'll see um, an expert of the same uh, right. caliber. Stop snitching, son. Stop yeah. snitching. <laughs> yeah. So then you're a database that says, you know, doctors in their seventh year in this profession, in this region of the state, fuck up this percentage of the time because that'd be a fucking database great that, yeah you guys should think about that well no so what you kind of had mentioned before the anecdotal <laughs> evidence versus uh, like you know the right. large scale so it would be more anecdotal evidence where like that expert witness would be like well in my experience right. of x amount of years i would never do that witnesses yeah, are yeah. Which is, it's a business yeah, which that's, another... that's a very interesting actually area that i don't think is really yeah. talked about that much because that's um, kind of shady. yes he deserves to die <laughs> and i hope he burns in hell and i want my million dollars because that's probably how much these expert witnesses yeah. are gonna yeah like a lot of doctors just don't practice because they make so much money as expert witnesses wow yeah. you'd be like a professional witness yeah yeah, yeah. can i get a witness I, and yeah. the fact that he, that even exists listen i get it i feel like that's kind of a necessary evil to have it's so instrumental you know? in the yeah, yeah but litigation like a professional process. snitch basically but yeah because essentially man literally you, you know you have lawyers for for you know these big corporations who are in the NFL this whole concussion thing right where they denied it left and right that there was yeah. any link and these were yeah. doctors working for the NFL saying there is no link between head injury and you know suicide there's a lot of shady stuff yeah. behind those like seemingly legitimate research trials but you don't understand how much stuff influences research and even when we're talking about sure. evidence-based medicine you always have to question who's funding who's fu yeah. who, where's the, the money NFL? show me the money <laughs> yeah show or is me it the an money. independent like a, party a football yeah. Reference. Yeah. yeah where's the money coming from yeah. it's like oh yeah this drug uh works better because look who paid for the study for the study yeah oh, wait, before yeah. before we get too far off so what Sure, this guy find? So he found a lot of interesting things, but what I found most interesting, basically he was saying that there were sharp spikes in malpractice premiums in the 1970s, in the 1980s, and in the early 2000s. And it wasn't a result of, you know, changes in the litigation environment. It wasn't a result in lower legal fees. It was a direct result of financial trends and competitive behavior in the insurance industry. So the insurance companies were charging more to cover doctors for malpractice? I don't think they were charging more. They were charging less. So they were charging just because that was what yeah, the landscape I mean, of the was, business was. Yeah, right. and I uh. think it was directly correlated to the business cycle, to, uh. yeah, financial trends. Okay. And he just kept reiterating in his book that the majority of people who do have a claim don't actually even file a claim. Right. And then, you know, the frivolous claims that have no merit, they actually don't even go to trial. Right. And the doctors, I mean, administratively, yeah, it could be a little burdensome. Them, but it has no effect on 
their insurance premiums. So if um, I'm being charged with something, wait, is that so the right sued. term? Sued. 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 Yeah. Because yeah. when the reason I say charged is because you hear a lot of shit. People, oh, so and so is being charged. I mean, what does that mean? Like, That's uh, more in the criminal. Right. But yeah. That, so that means like someone's criminal just claiming charges. that I allegedly. Allegedly, right? Like, yeah. So the prosecution, the state, the government would be charging them with when they have a certain amount of information uh, with certain criminal. Sanctions. So then that's actually something that's going to court. Right. If I'm being charged, it's just not like right. something small. So then what you're saying is a lot of these claims don't even make it. These mm-hmm. medical claims don't make it nearly that far to yeah. where they're going to be heard by a judge. Exactly. And the ones that actually make it through the filter process, it's usually gross negligence mm-hmm. on the doctor's part. Mm-hmm. Um, so to show like generally a case for negligence, you need to show that the doctor had a, owed a duty of care to mm-hmm. the patient, that he breached that duty of care, that there was a causation and that the patient suffered some kind of damage. And then the book kind of chronicles two stories. One was a transplant case where a young woman came from some Central American country to get a liver transplant. And Don't most people go to other countries to get organs? Yeah, I mean, well, that's a whole separate to, issue. They went to Duke like, University. She went yeah. to Duke University. Did they University. have money? Huh? people had money? I'm not sure, but huh. I, I guess, you know, and this was actually in 2003. And basically, I don't know if it was the doctor, if it was a, a multitude of people, which we'll talk about just how many hands deal with one patient yeah. and how you know right. everybody get named in those fucking yeah. lawsuits yeah, yeah exactly right um, but basically someone just didn't realize that her blood type was type O oh, and that good. they like, yeah, yeah transplanted so you know a type right. AB right. and they realized that after 19 days and then, oh, you know, they quickly, I guess, gave her a liver with the same blood type. But after six days, she ended up passing away. So wow. as doctors in the room, what do you guys yeah. think? Do you think that that is you know, he, gross negligence? Here's the bad part about that. Sleep depri- shit. Is it <laughs> sleep deprivation? No, what is you, it? You can attest to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many times, and this is speaking just as a med student, mm-hmm. did you draw blood in the hospital from a patient? Personally? Yes. Like, never. Never, yeah. right? Okay. That being said. That's like a division of labor at this point. Yes. A lot of, so I think that the big, problem yeah. becomes it who's checking labels on blood types and the nurses and, you know, like so much of these duties that seem so bonehead. Like right now, when we heard her say like, oh, it was a blood type mix up, right. you're thinking this is nonsense. But then you think who was delegated that duty? And a lot of times it's not the doctor. People think it should be the doctor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe the doctor should be double, mm-hmm. triple checking, but he's so busy and he's got right, blah, blah, right. blah, that that's so far down on the list that he's thinking about keeping this patient alive, right. that he thinks, no, if she got blood, by this point, there was checks and balances in place right. that, it's a um, team effort. that 10 people should have checked. Yeah, for you know? every patient. Like it's it's a but, team. But, that's but team does it fall on your head in your hands because you're the team leader, right? You're right. the doctor. MD. Yeah. Glorious you're, MD. You're the guy, right? Mm-hmm. For better or for worse, you know, you're the one and a mistake like this happens. And sure, maybe we could trace it back to a bad label or you know somebody mixed up a chart or whatever mm-hmm. but still it's just kind of a right. western way of thinking someone ha- there has to be one person to blame yeah. heads have to roll somebody has to get fired right and realistically with you know your patient load with all things considered how many people's work can you double check yeah. right and journal of the american medical association huge study on medical errors and just how prevalent they are in the landscape of deaths in the country and you know they had a bunch of different endpoints it was mm-hmm. a big study there's about like 200 
100,000 deaths a year documented as directly from the result of a medical error. This is a huge topic of discussion and yeah. a huge area of research and a lot of time is being spent on how do we minimize this because like sure. 200,000 deaths, that's like heart disease and yeah. like cancer. This is up there in like yeah. the top five killers yeah. of people every year in hospitals. Yeah. How do you get that number down? And technology is improving and right. it's, that's always a double-edged sword, but mm -hmm. you know, with electronic medical records right. and not relying on the notoriously bad handwriting of mm -hmm. doctors to like but other simple things like drug you know interactions and yeah like yeah that. exactly you know, things that know, help. there are those checks and balances right. because at the end of the day as much as you are held to the ultimate standard mm -hmm. as you know a provider there's no other field like that because the end point in the business of medicine is life and death it's not the case in other things which is why the punishment for doctors could be a lot more harsh right it's like one of the only fields where your clients that you're trying to help are the same ones yeah. like suing you yeah no, it's like, true. i think you're right i think that's the gravity of the situation is that a mistake mistakes happen in any profession right. but yeah. mistakes in this profession literally life yeah. or death they're life or death, life yeah. or death. Yeah. i think the joke is you know the difference between a doctor and a writer is you, you misplace a colon <laughs> only one person dies and one <laughs> ah, but but, but the, the harshness of it all is that people die mm -hmm. and mistakes happen all the time i don't know yeah. how many times you've been waiting for your car or a haircut or when we went to go pick up the rental you know they didn't have a car there that's if you didn't have a piece of machinery in a hospital not needed, as finite you know right <laughs> right, right. Yeah. and but that like, but that's kind of where both the respect for that field sure, yeah. come in and the pay and I mean, granted that you can argue Whole that that's other not enough. Yeah, that's, yeah, but, another, there's, but, there's, uh, so, there's uh, so much here to talk so, about. So, but in terms of what you were talking about, this idea of looking at the landscape and saying, what did you call it? What was the term you used in terms of uh, saying somebody was a fuck up? If you're here in a case, right? right. And then you say, I messed up. Right. And you ask, what field is he in? Right. What right. did he or didn't mm -hmm. he do? Yeah. Right. And then you compare me to some standard. Right. And a reasonable man standard. Yeah. <laughs> and the reasonable man. Yeah. That's my favorite term. In law school. So that standard. it's an objective standard, by yeah. the way, not subjective. No, we learned it as an objective standard. Okay. Right. <laughs> but yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that seems crazy. I know. Yeah. Well, no, that just seems like there's so much wiggle room. Yeah. I mean, that's why there's a trial, right? That's yeah. why there's evidence presented on both sides. That's why we have expert witnesses. Yeah. So from what I read, there's roughly about like what twenty thousand like cases of malpractice like a year, roughly. That's how that's many? It? Yeah. You would think there would be more, right? Yeah. I Something like that. Probably, actually, which yeah. is shockingly low, right? Yeah. Which sounds like a small I'm number. encouraging you but, assholes to start <laughs> yeah, I know, right? filing cases. <laughs> Making a rain lawsuits yeah. yeah. out there. But 20,000, though, that's still... Is this 20,000 heard in court or 20,000? Yeah, definitely heard in court. Yeah, and that kind of speaks to what I was saying earlier, that I'm sure a lot get filed, yeah. but the amount of evidence that you need to bring just you know, straight up in your complaint right. is a lot. And if right. you don't have certain yeah. critical right. elements... It's thrown out. And also, as an aside, an attorney's license is on the line. So it's not in their best interest to just keep filing lawsuits left and right. An attorney's right. license or a doctor's license? Uh, an attorney's license. Okay. So, like, they're barred. And if you just keep filing frivolous lawsuits, you can be sanctioned by the judge. So it's not. Really? Yeah. How often does that shit happen? I would hope that <laughs> yeah, it doesn't happen that often. I'm you know, not sure, to be honest. But yeah, there's you know, I mean, there's yeah. always those ambulance chasers. Yeah. They call them ambulance chasers for a reason, right? <laughs> Dude, um, I got rear-ended in a car and went straight to the lawyer, Nick. You were in the car with me. Don't act like you weren't there. <laughs> and then they basically paid for us to go see a chiropractor. Yeah. And then wear around those lawyer collars for a while. Yeah. Soft collar. And then we, we found out that Nick had a bad neck. It had nothing to do with the actor. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that's kind of.
the attitude we were met with like look guys you got rear-ended that sucks but uh you're probably not gonna get anything out of this so we're not even gonna that's when we're like man you take off the lawyer <laughs> power like, let's get out of here. <laughs> that's essentially what happened um so these cases that are being heard that eventually are heard mm -hmm. by whatever uh judge i'd have to imagine i can you settle like say we we'll go to court uh -huh. we're it's gonna be heard by a judge can yeah. we decide then and there and say you know what fuck it just pay them yeah yeah, yeah definitely and especially if you don't want bad publicity yeah, yeah. you have like non-disclosure agreements in so there then, in behind closed doors people are assessing this up and down yeah. whether or not we want to roll with this or should we just pay out because at some point some people will argue that it's cheaper to pay out than to pay for court fees and, and depends on the the damage right so if yeah. it's a wrongful death if unfortunately the patient ended up dying maybe right, that family yeah. doesn't want to settle maybe they want to take it to you know yeah. whatever right. media outlet wants right. that person's legacy to, to like top. live on yeah is there is there anything like the defense all my legal knowledge is from tv uh, is there anything where like mine too the, <laughs> is there anything where the defense just like offers the doctor like you tell me who else fucked up we'll uh we'll reduce you right? really maybe really? you know a couple of or, years ago didn't you hear like um, unrelated like yeah this guy's doing a lot of fucked up shit in that clinic yeah like the guy. plastic surgeon <laughs> did, you, did you hear about that a couple of years ago where the plastic surgeon there's a lot of guy reuses tongue depressors all the time <laughs> i yeah. see him yeah, a, a had like, surgeon? I don't know if he was actually like licensed in the country or oh. whatever, but had a clinic, had like, you know, his little minions doing, mm -hmm. had a whole operation and mm -hmm. ended up like. This is the same guy that operated on Kanye's mom? Who knows? That, you he know? was shady too, they found out. Oh, like, yeah. yeah must so, be, right? Yeah. Like, there's actually like a few. But he like, was a friend. I don't think he sued Always for, a for what you same said. With Michael Jackson wasn't yeah. that doctor. Yeah. But they went after him, didn't they? Didn't he yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think the guy in Kanye's, you brought this up earlier. People who have cases don't even pursue them mm -hmm. in Kanye's mom's case I think that doctor was a good family friend and I don't something think something like that because anything. like the wow, like she she had severe heart disease right. and things like that that would make her a risky surgical sure. candidate for what she had I think she had like a abdominal plasty yeah, or like a liposuction or, yeah. and like a breast reduction something, something like, like that. that but it's where informed consent comes in where you make right, sure yeah. that you tell the patient all the risks and make sure that they understand right. to the best of their knowledge speaking yeah. of this and I'm not gonna say any names I know unfortunately people who know me know who the doctor is that I'm talking about but uh, this was a long time ago I in college used to shadow the surgeon and this informed consent this idea of telling the patient the risks and you know even as a med student whenever they ask you to go get consent you're yeah. always like no but actually ah, like legally you're not you're allowed not to, to yeah you're not supposed to yeah and I don't know how many times I would tell patients like uh, listen you could die <laughs> And then I would make up a percentage. Listen, 99% of the time, this Everything goes just fine. well. Yeah. Like, just perfectly fine. Right. Okay, so you have nothing to worry about. But this doctor would do something that to this day, it bothers me. So we would be in the clinic, right? And he'd be mm -hmm. telling the patient, all right, you're going to need a knee replacement, blah, blah, blah. You know the drill. Go to my office. And then he'd go to his office and he'd sit at his desk. And when he was dictating, he'd be on the phone, right? So basically when he was giving a record of, of what he was talking about, he would hold the phone and he'd look at the patient and he'd say, patient has been informed that this can result in death, mutilation, <laughs> limb loss. And then the patient would be like, oh, he's like what? dictating in the room. Yes. And he's telling the patient this and making sure he's eye contact. And then when he was done, he'd look at them and nod like, right, right. I told you this. <laughs> and the patient's like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. And then he would continue. Yeah. And I used to think, dude, that is Dur undue influence. Yeah. yeah. Dress, that's like, yeah. not cool, man. No. And he was doing it obviously for time. Like, yeah. like rattling that off like the Miranda rights. Like. <laughs> he literally would say, and then yeah. he had the stick accent. Yeah, so right. half the time you couldn't really understand yeah. what he was saying. And the patients were just like, oh yeah, I could die. 
there's a huge difference between a 10% or a 20% chance of like yeah. recovery. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that's where at trial, mm. an expert witness would yeah, really say, yeah. okay, this is a sample population. Sure. So that's where things like right. where it would turn on. Yeah. So Wow. So, and a lot of those things, man, don't happen under the best of conditions in terms of stress. And you know, a lot of these things are in the patient's room. Right. You know, and it's a pretty high stakes game at this point. Yeah. yeah and man, decisions and are being made, yeah. you know. And you have this fancy doctor that right. reports that he has a 99% exactly. success rate, right. even though, you know. And how inflated. educated are, are these patients, yeah. you know? And when we talk about all these doctors that got in trouble, Michael Jackson's doctor. Sure. And, that know, guy was so. a real fuck up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, the guy wasn't even the doctor that has access to drugs like propofol yeah. is the anesthesiologist. That's no. the guy that puts you to sleep right. while you're having surgery. Right. And this guy, that wasn't even his job. No. So how... What type of doctor of, was he? Just Either he was a cardiologist or just like an internal medicine guy. Okay. Not anybody that should have Shouldn't be pro willing those propofol. Drugs. Yeah, that is like the yeah. disposal. Yeah. 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 Milk of amnesia. Yeah, that is a <laughs> yeah. heavy hitter. Yeah. And, uh, but then he was like given CPR or chest compressions on a bed. Yeah. Come on, man. Like, yeah, this, I mean, that's simple even life. Clearly, like, it's not just, indicated yeah, for insomnia. Yeah. Like, oh, I can't yeah. sleep, so I'm going to give you propofol. Like, that's fucking nuts, man. He's a moron. He, he ended up, what, a couple years? What did they give him? It, it wasn't as hard time as yeah. it could be, but like. One would yeah. But I think he was criminally prosecuted. Right. Which, which is, is on really another level. rare because yeah, usually what we're talking about is all on the civil side sure, where you yeah. could just get a bunch of money. But yeah. <laughs> Explain this to me. <laughs> sure, yeah. How the fuck, this civil suit business, how much less fucking evidence is needed? Because, listen, OJ, millions of dollars later, yeah. gets off and then loses his ass in a civil suit. Right. Like, loses his ass. Yeah. But, I mean, on the highest stage... That's a great question, you know, yeah. yeah. He's found not guilty. So you would think on the highest level... The evidence was raked and combed over a million times, and you guys couldn't get him. So you know what? He wins. Yeah, he wins. because the state, their burden of proof is beyond a reasonable doubt. That was a great Jay album. Easy. <laughs> yeah. As it should be. And then and then he does a little dance. and Because what's the alternative, right? I mean, our American justice system much rather have someone who's guilty get off than someone who's innocent be incarcerated even for a couple of months, right? right? But then, like, in civil cases, you don't have jail time. You yeah. just have money. Speaking of money, did you hear about that judge? Uh, was it in Pennsylvania who was basically selling kids to the prison? Oh, I did hear about this. Someone about in the this? hospital was talking about so this. So a, 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 a judge who had ties to a privately owned prison, basically uh, finding kids guilty just to feed them to this one prison and was getting kickbacks from the owner. Oh, my God. And it's, it, it, so I mean, it's hundreds that. of kids. And one, one as young as 14 that he imprisoned. He's ruining their lives. Yeah, and got, it was in the millions, the money that he got in kickbacks from the the owner of this prison. I think they've overturned a couple hundred cases now that this guy oversaw. We're just going to overturn all these cases. Right. And it was it was pretty gross. It was pretty gross. But he, I think they gave him 20 years. Wow, just 20. It's that like is... one thing when lawyers, you know, do shady yeah. stuff. It's another thing when judges. I know. You know You're it's supposed like to be the emblem of, of American yeah, it's, justice. It's... Taking it back to the medical and legal side, you brought up something, the Good Samaritan thing. Yeah, so I was out to dinner with my sister the other night, and this guy in the table right behind us just, like, falls backwards. And the waitress, you know, was like, oh, shit. And then, like, I turned around. I was like, all right, time to go into doctor mode. I'm like, I don't know. Do you have a seizure? What's going on? He's lying on the floor. And, you know, I'm about to crouch up next to him. And then he's like, oh, I'm fine. 
Just a really bad back spasm. I'm just like, oh shit. Then he got up and sat back down. Back spasm took him out, huh? Yeah, no. It was wow. like, it was like a, he was down there for a while. I couldn't see his facial expression, but I went into lawyer mode and I was like, don't touch him. Yeah. <laughs> don't touch him. Yeah, so then like I started asking my sister about that and I was like, yo, so what if something happened right. and try yeah. to like, you know, resuscitate this guy and then you know, maybe he doesn't make it? What percentage of CPR works? Right. Like, it's not a great it's, number. It's a very yeah. small number, but I was asking my sister about the good Samaritan law i was like oh but if i'm trying to help him and it turns out that his condition right. just like Worst deteriorates yeah. how is that my fault hypothetically yeah so um most states have this good samaritan statute whereas just a regular person if you try rendering aid to them and something goes horribly wrong if you're not grossly negligent so if you don't like willfully do something knowingly that you're gonna make their condition worse like you should be protected under this statute mm. but as a doctor your duty or you know your burden is higher so you're not acting as like the ordinary quote good mm. samaritan you're automatically under the standard of doctor you know so you had just graduated med school you know or had gone through a year of mm. training so you would be compared against your peers and if you made that individual in a worse off yeah. situation mm. you would okay. be liable but then what does that do to the psyche of a doctor or a good Samaritan when you're like yo I don't want to touch this person because like I'm afraid that if I fuck him up or like you know he yeah. dies that it's gonna be my fault yeah and so let's say that scenario actually happened right. and this guy passed out and someone was like is there a doctor in the house is there a doctor mm -hmm. in the house and i'm just like don't, <laughs> don't say anything yeah and i just didn't speak up that's actually okay uh, though yeah. like not not yeah. coming forward mm -hmm. yeah. and if the patient that died you the you have no duty of care so if you were that person's You're just an mother, asshole that's yeah like, that's yeah. It. yeah as bad as <laughs> if you were that person's mother if you had a special relationship with that person if you were that person's nanny yeah. mm -hmm. that would be one thing but just as a doctor yeah. even the hippocratic oath doesn't require you to render aid. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I did not know that. Yeah. So, like, you know that episode of Seinfeld? I think it was their final episode. Yeah, the final so the, episode. the premise was yeah. on the Good Samaritan law mm -hmm. because I think it's it's a little ridiculous <laughs> and that's why, like, Seinfeld right. you know, used it right. as, like, you know, what the hell is this thing? Yeah. And I think the premise was it was all four of them and they witnessed a guy getting mugged yeah. and they didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. And basically, they were all put on trial for you were in a position where you could have done something to help this guy that yeah. was obviously in need. Yeah. And you did it. Yeah. So it's not accurate for the scenario that we just described. That if I was a doctor witnessing, you know, an event where my services might be needed, and I just sit back. Yeah. Yeah. You like have bitch no. And don't do anything. Yeah. As sad as that is, the justice system does not require you to act unless you have a special relationship with that individual. So you just have to transcend law and your ego morality. and <laughs> morality Getting to actually this. be courageous enough to inspire. Of okay. all of that, to do the right thing and to do what you were, you know, and trained I think, to do. Yeah, most doctors in that situation, if they could, I know not on, in a plane, would just call 911 and have EMS right. deal with it because yeah. they're the certified professionals yeah. in that regard. You don't want to leave them off in a worse condition. Right. Right. And yeah. I mean, who knows? Maybe that individual realizes, wow, that person really tried.
decide to render yeah. Aiden doesn't right. decide yeah. to sue but you know yeah. you never know so this reminds me of probably one of the most important like stories in my life one moment that I was just like alright being a doctor is on some other shit yeah. because of what happened to my dad what happened to our dad my first year in kind of my dad too so. yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly yeah. all of our dads <laughs> all of our dads <laughs> dad. yeah during my first year of medical school I get a call from my mother explaining this scenario that just happened so my dad you know he's he's a connoisseur of uh, fine now. scotch and cognac so one of his boys has a liquor store out in Queens and anytime he gets like new product in you know he runs it by my dad like oh what do you think and so he came by one day and gave him some kind of like ginger based like French cognac or something he wanted to be in and my dad took a sip of it and he was like oh yeah that's good I'll take a bottle and he's driving home a little bit after that and he starts to feel a little bit like itchy and tingly and he's had like allergies before and he was like oh you know maybe I just need to like pop a Benadryl when I go home but like something was different that day because like it just kept getting worse to the point where he was puffing up and he was noticing that it was getting harder and harder to swallow and he looks at himself in the rear view and it was probably like that scene in Hitch where Will Smith you know eats some shellfish that he's allergic to and puckers up and this is really bad so that's medically known as an anaphylactic reaction a severe allergic reaction and your body responds in that way where it could potentially be life-threatening if it's not he was having swallowing yeah indicative of airway closure exactly which is the most important thing to Uh keep somebody alive always in our protocol of the steps to follow Uh you make sure that the airway is available Uh and he's an amazing human being and he's able to stay calm under pressure and you know he knew this was bad so he was trying to get off the road he was able to kind of like come up right into the divider and it doesn't crash into it but like kind of like scrapes up up against it and that's the last thing he remembers and then the next thing he remembers is a person over him saying I'm a doctor I'm here to help you everything's gonna be okay Mm. there was that flash and then the next flash was him waking up in an ambulance trying to figure out what the fuck just happened and when he's finally back to a clearer state of mind like he's trying to you know get some more information like what happened so what happened was I told you what was happening in his car but right behind him there was a doctor that happened to see this car like swerving all over the place and you know he was with his wife he stopped after my dad had hit the divider Mm -hmm. got out of his car went in there I don't know if he did CPR or Mm -hmm. what but like his wife was uh, calling EMS he was able to diagnose what he had based on you know just looking at him and told EMS like bring one to one thousand mixture of epinephrine and epinephrine is what you give in that situation to counteract that severe allergy they were there within minutes like clockwork they were able to give that drug to him and save his life and you know he gets all this information and he's just like well you know who is this doctor that you know saved my life I owe my life and they're like oh you know he never left his name that was like some movie shit to me I'm like are you fucking kidding me it was a pretty powerful moment for you know both of us every time yeah and um it's just crazy like the amount of coincidence and you know there there was probably plenty of doctors on the road that day and And a reasonable person would probably be like that's a drunk driver or whatever like I'm not wasting mine so the reasonable person act full circle right the reasonable person would be like oh I'm not getting involved in that shit ain't nobody got time for that (laughs) shit but this guy not only was a doctor but he was a good motherfucker beyond his call of duty beyond (laughs) his call of duty regardless of what kind of liability or any of this shit that we were talking about saved my dad's life by probability my dad should not be alive today which is a hard thing
for me to say, but that's some heavy shit, man. I entered med school not really knowing if that's really like what I want to do. I, I felt like I didn't belong there. And that story that what happened to my dad, like, you know, changed how I viewed it with how jaded doctors have become, all the bullshit we have to deal with, how unsatisfying it can be at times when the idealistic student that is right. in you somewhere right in the past, exactly, <laughs> at one point thought that, yeah, yeah, this whole game was just about helping people. It's important to not lose sight of that. And if you're really in it, and most people aren't, unfortunately, no. if you're in the business of medicine to help your fellow man, and that's what you're passionate about, and that's what makes you feel good, then you're doing the right Run thing. The rest will fall into place, man. And if you're doing what you're supposed to do, acting in accordance Within with Within your that. own moral code, I think that's really yeah. important. And, you know, there's just billion reasons to just be jaded as a lawyer, too, and point the finger at the dirty yeah. ambulance chaser or, you know, the one that's just trying to take all their clients' money. But there's good in any and every profession. And Absolutely. you just have to Absolutely. divorce the professional, the reasonable man standard sometimes, you know, the legalese and just be true to yourself and what would you do in your heart of hearts in that situation? Right. I mean, you know, even though like a lot of times it seems like a lot of these laws are rooted in the age old adage of the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. So, I mean, we oh. talked about some of the things that we wanted to and I think we definitely have a new natural yeah. Like, yeah. in the building. You were worried about that. it. Yeah. 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 You did great. Yeah. No, that was, that was a lot of fun. I think fun. this is probably the beginning of a few podcasts like yeah. this that we're going to have because I think there's a lot to talk about between the you know fields. between yeah, the constantly. two fields and yeah. like that communication is huge man we have a duty to educate our patients sure, and and do the right thing part for them. of the care and issues yeah. like you know medical malpractice it's so multifaceted you know there's a political element there's a social element obviously legal and medical but to kind of bridge that gap at least between the medical community and the legal community I think would be doing a lot of service yeah. to the average person that yeah. just doesn't understand how certain things work and yeah i mean what two professions are more bathed (laughs) in horrible technical terms and right you know oh yeah like the 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 barriers between our two professions and the world yeah are by design yeah many and stacked very high right yeah so i mean who better we've said this a million times like in whatever relationship that you're in you're always a teacher that's the common denominator with knowledge comes that responsibility to teach so strive to be a good teacher to bridging the gap to bridging the gap right now. and really want to thank our guest again yeah. in her busy schedule great job uh, thanks for having PK, me pk value <laughs> meal um and we'll do it again we yeah. have to soon yeah. Definitely. Now that you're comfortable, now you know. You're yeah, this yeah. is so much fun. More than capable. <laughs> yeah, no, that was a great time. All right, thanks, guys. Hit us up, follow our pages, tell your friends about us. Medicine Remixed.